12, beginning at the third verse. Humble service in the body of Christ. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If, it's to, if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love in action. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour, serving the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to, to God. God. Wonderful. Thank you, Penny. I'm just going to move to get myself... No, that way. That's it. I now know I now know to look at the screen and I need to have the brick wall behind me. So there we go. Hopefully a brick wall not in front of me. <laughs> That's not the sort of response I'm looking for. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, well, apologies for anyone who who's, uh, feels shortchanged from the fact that we actually had that passage two weeks ago. Tim preached today when I was doing children's work, so I didn't realize that. So it's obviously one of our favorite passages as a preaching team. But I have to say that I don't think serving is many people's favorite topic. In fact, alongside giving, judgment, and fasting, for most of us, it's probably down there in the relegation zone of sermon themes. It is the West Ham of sermon topics when it comes to popularity, at least. There's the gratuitous West Ham mention, which uh, I you know, didn't want to deprive you of. But it's hardly unimportant, is it? You don't need to be a Bible expert to know that serving is close to God's heart. The Old Testament has loads to say about it. Jesus had loads to say about it. Paul and Peter, as we will go on to hear, had loads to say about it. It's absolutely central to God's vision for Christians and the church. And not only that, but the way that it's spoken about in the Bible is actually in the most positive of tones. Not as something that we simply give to God of our energy and our time, but as something through which we receive so much. That's why the key verse for me today is the final one, verse 11. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. 
spiritual fervor, our passion, our love for God, hand in hand with service. Why? Because service is not meant to quash or exhaust or frustrate that further. Rather, it's to fuel it and to bring it alive. Service isn't something to avoid so you can invest time in your spiritual growth instead. Rather, it's something that can truly enhance it if combined with the right perspective and motivation for our work. So that's what I hope I will get across today. That's where I'm heading this morning. And I'll be exploring three important motivations to serve. First of all, confidence. But that's confidence in God, not in ourselves. Secondly, calling, both as individuals and as Christians overall. And third, change. For serving changes us and it changes others for good. So confidence, calling and change. That's where we're heading. Let me first pray. Father God, speak to us, we pray, through your word. Through this wonderful passage from Romans 12. Lord, would you inspire us, convict us, encourage us, and call us for your glory. Amen. Okay, so let's start with confidence. And the passage starts with that too. But actually with the problem of having too much confidence in ourselves. For let's be honest, for some, one deterrent to serving, especially among those who lead in other areas of their life, is that we look down on serving. Probably not consciously, and we certainly wouldn't admit it publicly, but subconsciously all the same. We feel we're chiefs, not Indians, called to leadership or more difficult roles. And it sometimes puts us off serving. And yet Paul, a high achiever and leader in every area of his life, demolishes that at a stroke. And we saw his words in the passage. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. And Paul has two reasons for saying those words. The first is his acute awareness of his own sin and his own unworthiness of God's mercy and grace, something which, of course, applies to us all. And it's reflected in his famous words earlier in that letter, which you'll recognize, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. None of us deserve anything from him. We're saved only by the loving sacrifice of Jesus. That's the faith we share, the gospel. And if he gave everything for us, even death on a cross, well then surely the least we can do is to serve him in return. And yet Paul's second reason for telling us not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought is that it's only by faith in God's power rather than our own, that our service can truly bear fruit. The people who are really useful to God are those who have the sober judgment of knowing that we are nothing, simply empty vessels through which the Spirit can work. 
Whereas those with pride in their own righteousness or their own giftedness are frankly very little use. No sermon's going to have an impact unless the preacher waits for a message from God and trusts him to anoint it and use it. The moment we start relying on our own efforts, we're wasting our time. And that really is the key to preaching. But it's also true of everything else we do for God. It's God who offers to take our human efforts and through inspiring them, preparing the opportunities for them so that the right people receive from us at the right time and anointing the delivery of them, giving us the words to say and the way to give that service in love. Well, it's through all of those things, the things that God does that adds the value, that makes it special, that anoints that moment and gives it the impact that he desires. Service is meant to be a supernaturally empowered event, a minor miracle, a special God moment, whatever you want to call it. That's what it can be. It's not just like doing the washing up at home. It's a God moment. And that's how service is meant to be. And Peter certainly thought that because we we know that from what he said in his first letter. These are his words. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. And here's the key bit. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. So that in all things... God may be praised through Jesus Christ. That's the model. That's the service that we're called to. Do it in your own strength and you're just going through the motions. But do it in God's and you're truly doing his work. And yet the same principle applies also to those of us who lack confidence. Because actually just as some avoid service through feeling too confident, or too elevated view of themselves, while others lack confidence or feel they don't have so much to give. Maybe we feel that if we're not really good at something, well, then we can't volunteer. And yet the Bible teaches us when we are weak, he is strong. So who are we to deny him the chance to prove it through us? And the Bible has lots more to say about that sort of lack of confidence too. For it repeatedly affirms service without any precondition of excellence, including, of course, in our final verse. It's the purity of our attitude that counts, not the rarity of our ability. And Paul's parallel passage uh, sits alongside that in 1 Corinthians 12, because it also tells us that to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Actually, we're all gifted, it's saying. There isn't a single one of us who's a Christian who is not gifted by God. We all have a vital role to play. And it's simply wrong and unbiblical to say that we don't. And just as the head needs the hand and the hip and the foot, so we all need each other. God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. That letter goes on to say, And God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts he lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, 
but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. It's a wonderful picture, isn't it, of how we all have a part to play. Each part is equally valued and how we're all to celebrate everyone playing their part, not looking for perfection from each other, but simply willingness to serve. And besides, some of the gifts that Paul mentioned in our passage actually to some degree are things we can all do anyway. Maybe not leadership or prophecy or teaching, but certainly serving, encouraging, showing mercy and contributing to the needs of others. All listed here as gifts, but expressed elsewhere in the Bible as things that we're all commanded to do. So what does that mean? Well, it means that if you don't feel there's an opportunity right now for which you are unusually gifted, that's okay. That's fine. That's normal. But the right response to that is not to do nothing. It's to do something that needs doing in the meantime. Or to do the thing that God seems to be calling you to anyway, even if it's not an area of strength. Because he does do that sometimes, partly so he can teach us something through it, as I'll explain a bit more in a moment, but also because it could release someone else to do something for which they really are the best person for the job. So we've moved on to our second part of the sermon now, calling my second reason to serve, in which I want to state explicitly what I've already just implied. For there's no doubt that service is something we're all called to do, just like meeting together, witnessing, giving and praying for the church. It's not an optional extra. It's part of the general calling that we all share as followers of Jesus. As Jesus actually told his disciples, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, just as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve And as he demonstrated so memorably in washing their feet. Service is not the way to God's love. But it is the right response to it. As we serve the one who gave everything for us. And yet, alongside that general calling, we do, of course, also have an individual calling. Which are those things, out of all the things we could do... And there were so many things we could do, aren't there? He particularly wants us to do. Because he doesn't want us to run ourselves into the ground. He just wants us to walk the path that he has prepared for us. To use our gifts, our abilities, our time, our energy in the way that he has prepared for us to do. And some of those things we will be excellent at some of which we will have spiritual gifts that specifically relate to them. But others of them, well, he's simply calling us to do anyway at this particular moment of time. Perhaps to teach us something through the faith and character lessons we'll learn. Now, one or two of Ben's stories probably were of that nature. And actually, God really used those people. Perhaps it's because of the relationships we'll form, doing it alongside others. What a great way if you're new to a church to get to know people, to join a service team and to serve alongside others. Perhaps it's because of some other way that he'll bless us that we simply can't predict. 
Perhaps it's because he's going to teach us as he did me in my early 20s by trying and serving in all sorts of ways. He would teach me which things actually I'm good at, which things I've got a real heart for and which things I haven't. So that then later on, I would have a clearer idea of where he was leading me. Or perhaps it's because there's something that simply needs doing and we're the right person at the right time. Any of which are good enough reasons. All we need to do is to ask him for guidance, which is a prayer I believe God will never turn down. So we've come to our third section. The third motivation for service I want to cover today. The fact that serving is not just getting a job done. It's something God uses to change others and to change us. It's how he does his work in the world. Now, I've just mentioned some of the blessings of serving for us who serve. And I want to just say a bit more about one of them, which is the way that he grows our faith through it. And this was certainly true of me. When I think back to my late teens, early 20s, I'd become a Christian at 15. And after a few years, um, people started to see that um, actually God was answering lots of the prayers that I was praying. And um, my faith had really grown. And I was really inspired to serve him. And people would come up to me and ask me why that was. Why is your faith so strong? What is the secret of your answered prayers? And I I had that question a number of times in one form or another. And this is well, well, well before I even ever thought about, you know, doing what I'm doing now as a job. And my answer to them was always the same. It seemed to me, and I think this is something I learned from my parents, the secret is wanting to serve God to bless and help others. Because of those prayers that were answered in my life, actually very few of them were for myself or for my football team. (laughs) Rather, they were for the people I was trying to witness to, the people I was trying to help, or the people in the fringes of the church or of our friendship group that I was trying to draw in and include. And it's when we're more focused on the needs of others rather than ourselves that I believe the spiritual blessing truly comes Paul wasn't full of faith, passion and joy because his life was prosperous, comfortable and enviable. If he prayed for a wife and children, a secure income, a lovely house, affirmation and high status, well, he certainly didn't get it. But what his letters actually tell us was that he didn't pray for those things. He prayed that he would be used by God for the growth of his kingdom And as that prayer was answered, he prayed for the people and churches that he met along the way. It was all others focused, which meant the rewards in terms of encouragements, answers to prayer, miracles were far more. They were the prayers God was interested in, for they were the prayers that would change the world. Are you willing to pray for the things God wants you to pray for, the things that will most contribute to the kingdom that he loves. And it's this shifting of focus from ourselves to others that I believe we all need. 
away from our own comfort, pleasure, and convenience to the well-being of others. As Jesus put it so compellingly, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For the pagan world runs after all such things, and your Father knows that you need them. He really does. He gets that. But here's the key bit. But seek his kingdom. Or as some translations put it, seek first his kingdom. And then these things will be given to you as well. He won't neglect you. He won't fail to meet your needs. But if you pray for and focus on the kingdom, well then you will have a far bigger impact, far greater blessing, far greater experience of God's power and far greater joy and fulfillment in your life than if you don't. And it's this unstoppable growth of the kingdom with which I want to finish. Because we're actually part of something far, far bigger that continues to spread and flourish across the world. Now, we don't always feel this in England, do we? Or in Western Europe in general. But set in a global perspective, we most certainly are. Which puts a very different perspective on our small acts of service, which seem insignificant in isolation, but the full impact of which we so often can't see. Here's a story some of you will know. In 1962, President John F. Kennedy visited NASA for the first time. During his tour of the facility, he met a janitor who was carrying a broom down the hallway. The president then casually asked the janitor what he did for NASA. And the janitor replied, I'm helping put a man on the moon. Now that story is famous because it's such a good example of someone finding value and motivation to something bigger than themselves. And yet we're part of something far bigger than NASA, aren't we? We're frankly far bigger impact for good. Far bigger impact on far more people. And not limited to one achievement in time. Great though the moon landing in 1969 must have been. But bringing joy, comfort, meaning, affirmation, love and peace to hundreds of millions of people literally every day of the year. And the way that we do it is by faithfully and prayerfully serving our loving creator, God. So are you up for it? Are you up for playing your part in his mission to the world? And finding your value and purpose within that greater goal. For that's what will change our countries, our communities, and our churches. And that's what will change us to experience that joy, fulfillment, and impact that Paul spoke of and knew. Never be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Wonderful words. May that be our prayer today. We're going to move into a time of response now. The band are going to lead us in a song. But I just want to give us the opportunity to use this time. 
Now, if you feel God has spoken to you and you want to lay down a marker and you want to say to God, I'm up for serving you again. You know, maybe for the first time in a while. Or maybe it's simply that you want to have the desire to serve and you just feel you've gone stale. Whatever your reason is, if you want to just take a step and say, I want to serve you, God. Well, I invite you during this song just to um, just come up to the front here. You can kneel on the steps or, or just stand here at the front. During this song, as your way of saying, I'm up for this. I want to serve you. I want to play my part. I want to discover what it is. And then at the end of that song, I'd love to pray for you all. So let's sing. Let's respond. Let's take a stand for God as we feel led. Over to you. I will worship I will.
Father, I want to pray for those who are kneeling here this morning. And for those others of us whose heart have been stirred. Father, I pray that you would renew our desire to serve. I pray that you would fan into flame that spiritual fervor. I pray that as we serve, we would do it in the power that you give. That it would not just be actions or words, but would be the very work of God, speaking love and truth to those we serve. I pray that you would guide every person here in what you are calling them to do in this season and beyond. I pray that you would give them the confidence they need in your power. I pray that you